Barnaby. Well, he goes, I did a terrible thing. And yeah. Barnaby's like, did oh, you kill did, her? did you kill it's her? Like, He's like, of Whoa. course not. Why would you think of that? Whoa. <laughs> like, I don't know. Hey, maniacs. Oh, boy. Woo-hoo. We're excited about today. We are. <laughs> you may have noticed a little teaser that Mark put out. Yeah. said, we have the most epic Midsummer maniac, maniac fact ever. Ever. Wait for it. You're going to hear about it. This fact stopped us dead in our tracks <laughs> this week. It is worth sticking around for. Absolutely. Ah, but first we have a couple of announcements. Well, we and, gotta get. Oh, the, I guess we should say what what this is. Midsummer, I think people know Midsummer Maniacs is a recap podcast dedicated to ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. If your kids can handle the show, they can handle the podcast, but they will not be able to handle what we discovered. <laughs> No one can handle it. Episode 61, Blood Wedding, which is either episode two or episode one of season 11. Season 11. Before we dig in, I'll tell you that I am working away on the graphics for the t-shirts and I'm very excited about what we have so far. We are definitely making progress. Yes. So in a, a week or two, we will be launching those. They're awesome so far. Yep. I agree. And I didn't even make them. Well, then it's easy for you to say they're great. No, like, uh, they're great. I managed to draw Bembo. Yes, you did. (laughs) And it looks like Bembo. No work clothes. No work clothes. We got an email. Well, we got a message on the Facebook from a woman named Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Who says, uh, we got this last Saturday night. So uh, listening to you, to uh, your podcast during my four hour drive each way. To go visit my 27-year-old daughter. Take her to the oncologist. She's had cancer surgery recently and we're figuring out a treatment plan. Oh my gosh. Thank you, first of all, for allowing us into your life at any point in time. And wow, I hope your daughter's doing well. And what a great mom. That's what moms do. Even when your kids are in their late 20s, they're still your babies. Yep. And then she says, listening to your podcast kept my mind off the situation for a little while. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's worth it. Yep. Thank you so much for all you do. And then she has a question, which, of course, we answered. Mm -hmm. But, Lynn, you you are the hero, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if I never got another download in this podcast to know that we made somebody's four-hour drive to an oncologist a little better, that's a gift. Worth every minute of it. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely. Hope she's doing well and hope you are too, Lynn. Thanks for sending us a message. We appreciate it. But now, Blood Wedding. Blood Wedding. And we're going to cover Blood Wedding in in a kind of different way. Uh, The Blood Wedding, there are two weddings. Right. There's two stories. There's the Blood Wedding and then there's the Barnaby Wedding. Cully's Wedding. (laughs) We're going to leave all of Cully's Wedding stuff to the very end. Well, we're just going to cover it second. Yeah, we're going to cover it second. We're going to cover all the crazy... The murdery wedding murdery first. wedding first. <laughs> so this episode is filmed in June and July of 2007. Broadcast date was the 6th of July, 2000, 
Eight to 7.2 million views, directed by Peter Smith and written by David Lawrence. And we're in Midsummer Magna. Yeah. And uh, the first wedding happens at Bledlow Church. Which is where the Crystal uh, King's Crystal wedding happened. Yes. I wonder if the wedding photographer's there also. But, it, but it's not the wedding where the bride got shot immediately leaving the church. No. Because that's Badger's Drift, yes. right? Bottom line is, weddings don't go well in midsummer in general. But first, we have to go way back. To 1971. All the way to 1971. I don't even know how they had a camera to film this. (laughs) I wasn't born yet. Some of us were. (laughs) And this is when Robin is born. He's the bastard child of Catherine Fitzroy. I'm going to shoot my gun. Just going to shoot it. Just shoot it. Shoot it. it. Just up. Just shoot it. That'll show them. Shoot it. I'll take care of things. Oh, boy, will you ever. So The baby was close to death. Not close enough. Not close enough. And you wonder why his sons are such assholes. So this is Marcus's brother. Yes. The father of Ned and Harry. Don't you think Marcus is a little old for Marina? Uh, I think he's probably a much younger brother. He doesn't seem that old. He's older than she is. But he's not too old. I just don't like that his name is Marcus. I don't like him and shouldn't be there. Oh, he's not a bad guy. So we're at the church, and the wedding is actually between Beth and Ned. Yes. Beth Porteous. Porteous. Which just makes me think of Portis Head. Well, where I came from, Porteous was not a fancy person's name. Oh, no? (laughs) No. (laughs) Did you know some Porteouses? Did. There were nice people, but they weren't living the manor house kind of people. Yeah. And Beth's family is clearly moneyed, maybe not as much as the Fitzroys, but she's been friends with them her whole life. So she couldn't have been the gardener's daughter or anything like that. And we've got uh, Ned or Edward Fitzroy. He's the oldest son. He's Sir Ned. Yes. And Harry, Henry Fitzroy. Yes. The younger brother. Yes. And their sidekick, the ever lovable Randall Cahoon. Or Randy Corky Hound. (laughs) Cow Cahoon. (laughs) This episode is Jones and his element. Oh, yeah. Jones does so good in this episode. He gets to fight with medieval weaponry. He gets to make fun of rich people. He He gets gets to arrest rich people. He gets a kiss. He's a date. Yep. By the way, it's Wednesday. You want to come to my wedding? (laughs) Come to this wedding I'm an usher at? Who was he going to bring before? He wasn't. He was going to come by himself. I guess. But we're not talking about that wedding yet. I'm glad she had a hat. (laughs) I think, in my mind, every British woman has a hat. No matter who you are, you have a hat. Just in case you're in a situation where you need a hat. Marcus is the officiant at this wedding, Mm -hmm. which is strange because he's all involved. But he's the the brother and he's the vicar and everything. He's the uncle. Yes. And and Marina is the maid of honor. Maid of honor. Did you notice uh, what they made the arch out of when the bride and groom leave the church? It's uh, bows. Are they bows? Yeah. Oh, Okay, So I had to look twice. Yeah. And now that makes perfect sense that they're bows. I feel like a dummy now because I thought they were fly fishing rods at first. No, no, they're bows. They're bows. Yeah. That that makes, yeah. Never mind. Because the idiot. other sub, <laughs> the, the hobby in this episode in which Joyce is not involved in yeah. is <laughs> archery. Yes. So all the rich people are archers, which is kind of wrong. But we'll get to that when we talk about the Battle of Crescent. 
I don't think it's wrong because it's a, it's a Ponzi thing to be doing, I guess. The way they do it anyway. If you have free time to do it, you're right. Ponzi. Yeah. Right. So they have a wedding breakfast. Now, here in the U.S., we do not do wedding breakfasts. Most of our weddings happen in the mid to late afternoon. And there's a reception after it that yep. has a meal. And then there's dancing. And that, and then that's it. Right? It's like an evening. It's you. It goes into the evening. Well, this one goes into the evening too, but we just don't know when it starts. It's all day, man. That poor the cook, whatever her Mary name is, has to feed everybody. No, they've got caterers. and kill a bunch of rabbits. They've got caterers. So what I didn't know is when when they say wedding breakfast in England, they're not really talking about a morning meal. So centuries ago, way back in the mists of time. Before 1971? Um, yeah, way before that. Oh. <laughs> in the 1600s. Anyway, the wedding would, ha- you would get married and it was a, um, a Eucharist mass. Okay. Okay. So to be able to take um, communion, you would have fasted from midnight the night before and the communion would be the first thing that went in your mouth. That okay. day, right? Breaking your fast. And so then they would eat after the wedding to celebrate, and that would be a breakfast. Yeah. Right? So they called it the wedding breakfast, and it just morphed into breakfast. Yeah. And so it is the first meal that the bride and groom are having as a married couple. Yes. So a wedding breakfast can be any time of day. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I think you got to be British to know that. Well, these are rich people. They <laughs> decide whatever they want. Yeah, so it's just a reminder that it's their first meal as a newly married couple. So they go from the house, they go from the church to their house, which is a mansion. So they have the reception at their house. Mm -hmm. In the great hall. Yes. Where they have all their suits of armor. And Marina avoids the priest. Avoids Marina. He keeps looking at her eagerly like, are you okay? Huh? Huh? And she's like, do you like Marina? I don't know. Not, I don't like many of the rich people in this episode. Do you think she's Beth's genuine friend? Based on what happens, I don't think so. <laughs> Once you know what she says behind Beth's back. Yeah. But before she's walked in on Beth and Harry, when she's just helping Beth pack, she seems genuine. Mm-hmm. She seems like she's actually happy for her. Wishes now, it was her. Do, but She used to date Ned. Right. But Ned dumped her to get Beth. To get Beth. Who yeah. he asked to marry 20 times. Or 12 times, depending 12. on what scene you're listening yeah. to. He, he asked her a lot. Yeah. And she turned him down. Yeah. But then finally said yes. So we meet Ned and Harry and Randall. Yes. Beth and Marina. Yes. Marcus. Yeah. And Robin. Rob. The gameskeeper. He's the estate manager. Yes. Know your place. This is the, the first time we get this kind of upstairs, downstairs they keep referring to. Yeah. But there's definitely a class difference. And the Fitzroys are not afraid to remind you that they are better than you, whoever you are. And what we don't know now, which comes out, is that Robin has sent them an, a mail. Robin's lawyer has sent them a letter that saying said, that he plans to claim his part of the estate. Yes. As Catherine's son. Yes. And they're not going to have it. Because Catherine has, is his mom the lady from the very beginning, and her will had a part in it for him. Right. But we don't know who his father is. Yeah. We never find that out. No, we don't. And so the woman who carries the baby away is Peggy Benson, who's the midwife of the village, and she's, she raises him. Peggy, and, you got something in your ear there. <laughs> and she knows full well who he is and yeah. supports him in pursuing his, his share of the estate. Yeah. But who, who are the couple on the swing? Okay, so there's a couple... 
a blonde haired woman. Uh-huh. And a younger, dark haired guy. A younger, dark haired guy who kind of thread their way through the whole wedding. Who are She the, catches the bouquet. She catches the bouquet. They're the people who discover the body. Yeah, they discover Marina. And then they're forgotten completely. <laughs> But you, you'd think they would at least have names or something. Uh, I don't I call, know who they are. In I my notes, I call them the amorous couple. <laughs> okay. So we don't know when this wedding happens, but we do know that by the time Marina is discovered, it is dark. Okay. So they do an interesting thing, right? Because they show that there's some sort of tussle and somebody is sneaking out of the wardrobe uh, up in the room that Beth is getting undressed. There's a lot of bride underwear in this episode. Yeah. And you think the person sneaking out is going to attack her, but that's actually Harry hiding in the wardrobe because he wants to have sex with her. And it's really Marina and her killer wrestling in front of the window, though she's in completely different clothes. Yes, because <laughs> they they play this kind of tension where you think Beth's dead, but then she shows up. Right. And, and it's actually it. Marina who's yeah. dead. But, you know, nobody notices all day that Marina's dead. I have the amorous couple go, um, that's a dead Marina. <laughs> but like, why doesn't Marcus miss her before then? I don't know. You think he would have wondered where she was during the reception? I would have thought that. Because Ned says, we're leaving, but you don't have to. Yes. And so nobody does. I wouldn't. And they don't even know there's going to be a murder later. Man, there's cool stuff to smack each other with. There. Yeah. <laughs> but boy, as soon as the cops show up, the Fitzroys get stroppy. Okay. So a couple of things. It's a crime scene. Now. Mm-hmm. And the Fitzroys are all like. Get rid of these cops. Get rid of these cops. Sally, the housekeeper's like, how? <laughs> I'm just going to ask them to leave. And they're just going to go, oh, never mind. And just leave. And Tom has no, no patience for them. And he totally puts them in their place. He is not intimidated by them. At all. He has a job to do, regardless of what they have to say. And then when, so when you, but you and I both realized that um, there's just a brief mention that the Fitzroys and Cole Cahoon, I'll say Calhoun. Yeah. Because I don't want to disrespect people who actually have that last name. Cahoon. They get together real close. Right away. They rally together real close. And part of that is because they went to school together. Yes. Right. The Fitzroy brothers and Cahoon went to school together. And where did they go? St. Mally's. Home of the Pudding Club yep. and the Giant Killer Spoon. Yep. No wonder that they're Ponzi idiots. Yes. That. Oh, let's talk about Marina's death here. She. Okay. I know. I keep harping on this in other episodes, but there would have been a lot more blood involved in this murder than is shown. There would have been. I'm not going to say that it would have like splattered or anything. I don't think it would have. But I think the front of her dress would have been soaked. Yeah. Because you have to understand what she probably has on underneath it. No, no. I I just think there should be more blood on her dress and there should be blood coming out of her mouth. Mm, I don't know. If it didn't cut her windpipe I guess. or her esophagus, where would the blood come from in her mouth? Wow. Luckily, Ned has no blood on it, ever. <laughs> ever. No matter what he does. But and, and I also understand that old homes like this do have a lot of weaponry around yeah. it's decorative weaponry but it could be real but who keeps two like 16 inch daggers on a bureau in your bedroom that are just sharp enough to just go, sitting there like he doesn't show much effort to he kill should him. have had to like run across the room ah! hold still ah! like he goes through her through 
whatever super underwear she's got on underneath there, she's at least got some, you know, what do they call them? Bustle. No. Girdle. No. Uh, Corset. The newer ones that are elastic-y that are, that are real tight and you put them on. Spanx. Spanx. Thank you. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I felt like we were playing Family Feud there for a second. Spanx would be easier to slice through than like an actual corset. Yes. Or something with boning or whatever. But still, it goes through front, back, and an, into the wood enough to support her entire weight. It is great that she kind of goes and slumps (laughs) slumps. I feel sorry for the actress, too, because not only does she have to play dead, but she has to stand up. Yeah. Usually dead people get to lay down. (laughs) She lays down later on. She's got blood all over her face when she lays down. But Uh, George doesn't do a very good job of cleaning her up in the morgue either. He does not. Yeah. So Jones purposefully mispronounces Cahoon. Corky Hoon. He says Colcahoon. Colcahoun. Yeah, is Jones is it. having as much fun as as Tom is. I think he would have been respectful to them if he would if they were respectful to him, and they aren't. Yeah, and he's just not having it. Yeah, and I can't blame him. What is your rank? He doesn't even bother to answer that question. No, he just goes on. Just goes on. So Cahoon is a Gaelic, or it's a Scottish Gaelic name. Yeah, it means a narrow wooden nook. Oh. I don't know why you would have that. As your name. As people immigrated from Scotland to the U.S., it became Calhoun in most places. And I've known many people whose last name is Calhoun. Yes. But there is still a a clan Cahoon. Yes. And there's Clan Cahoon International. Oh. Now, you can join the Clan Cahoon International for 40 pounds a year. Oh. Do you want to know how you qualify to become? How do you qualify? It's open to anyone who bears the name Cahoon or any variant of it, or who are Cahoons by birth or descent, are married to a Cahoon, or who simply have an interest in the clan and who share the goals of the organization. What are the goals of the organization? To further the name and clan of Cahoon. Oh. So for 40 pounds a year, you can wear their tartan. Oh. And they have three different kinds. Luckily, I got tartan already. I know you got your own, but their their motto, I'm going to butcher this, because it's French. Yeah. C-J-P-U-I-S. S-I-J-E-P-U-I-S. No, that's not bad. I said it right? Yeah. Like C-J-P-U-I. That means I will if I can. I will if I can. Yeah, yeah. that's their clan motto. Wow, I pronounced something French. Yeah, that's pretty good. Foyer. <laughs> now, if only everybody else in Indiana said foyer. <laughs> they say foyer. Oh. So they're all obsessed with longbow. Mm-hmm. Right. And this goes back to Hundred Years War. As in like the longbows that were used in Agincourt. Yes. So they, they mentioned two battles. They mentioned Agin, uh, Agincourt and Cressy, mm-hmm. which are two British uh, French battles, one from the beginning of the Hundred Years War and one from the end of the Hundred Years War. Now, I don't know anything. I know about Agincourt, but I don't know about Cressy. Well, Cressy's at the very beginning of the war and Agincourt's right near the end. Okay. Right? So... A couple of interesting things about Cressy. So, first of all, the British were outnumbered by tens of thousands of men. Well, they were in Agincourt, too. Yeah, they they were terribly outnumbered. Um, And they had longbowmen and the French had crossbowmen. Okay. And, of course, it's a battle during the Hundred Years' War, so it rained. Of course, course just like it did at Agincourt. Just like it did at Agincourt. And the bowmen could protect their weaponry the crossbowmen couldn't. What do you mean? It uh, Something about their weaponry didn't do well in the wet. Oh, I see. Okay. That the bowmen did better in the wet. Yeah, a longbow, if it were to get really, really soaked, might become a bit more flexible, so it would have a little less oomph. 
a little less spring. But other than that, but I don't know why rain would really mess up a crossbow either. I I guess maybe if the little ropes in the winch got wet. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. So this is pretty interesting battle because both kings are at this battle. Like, uh, so it's It's an all-star battle. Yeah, it's King Philip the sixth of France and King Edward the third of England. They're both on the ground in armor. Wow. Right. There was, there was another King there, somebody, the blind who was actually blind. <laughs> oh, he wasn't very useful. <laughs> he, did, he didn't do well. He's brave to show up though. Yeah. Oh, he, he led a charge. He did. He did pretty well. So, this, so I'm not going to make a joke about the blind King leading his charge the wrong direction. No, but he kind of did. <laughs> so where this relates to this episode, though, is it's at five o'clock this start. Mm-hmm. 5 p.m. 5 p.m. And it starts because the knights see the French knights see the English troops. OK. And because they saw the English troops, they now can't retreat. They honorably can't not they attack. Them. Honorably cannot not attack them. Okay. Which is like the stupidest <laughs> thing ever. Well, I see you, so I can't not fight you. So and the British It's had, like the worst worst game of peekaboo ever. The, Brit, the British had high ground and they just arrow after arrow after arrow after arrow and it just decimated the French forces. At at one point, the French infantry tried to charge the British line, mm-hmm. and it didn't go well. So they retreated, and the French knights were killing them as they came back. Oh, yeah, that was pretty common, that the, the cavalry would run over the foot soldiers and retreat. Yeah. Yeah. They, it, it was, they did that in Agincourt, too. The, the, the way this whole battle was run was very bad by the French. They really had no idea what. The the British were totally battle hardened and and were like, we're just going to stay here and kill you until you stop coming at us. And then we're going to go ahead and kill all the rest of you. So then the question I have to ask is, did the British purposefully get seen? They might have. <laughs> like, we're we're in a good spot now. Like, we're, we've got the high ground. We're ready to go. Somebody peek forward and let them see you. Yoo-hoo! I see you. You see me. Well, and you they, have to fight me now. They attacked the British <laughs> at one flank at a time. So they attacked uh, the right flank, and then that didn't go well. So they all retreated, and then they attacked the left flank. Both times, the other flank and the British side just came over and helped. Yeah. The other. <laughs> they wouldn't just sit there and go, oh, well, they're attacking those guys now. So we have to just sit here. It's not no. our turn. No. <laughs> no. Hey, guess what? We're going to shoot you with our bows anyway. Yeah. What do you know? So the pride that caused the downfall of the French army, I thought was interesting since all these people are so prideful and it leads to their downfall. And I think it means that the men of Sessi can have pride if, if their ancestors were part of that battle and they won it so decisively, I can see why they still identify with it. But they wouldn't have been part of the arrows guys. No, they wouldn't have been, they would have been knights, right? Yeah. But it, but they're slumming it. Yeah. <laughs> So one king took off, the other king was there killing people. Like right on. Like that is that is old school battle, man. You know, I, they they got more ridiculous later. I mean, by the time you get the American Revolution, they've got like breaks for tea time and yeah, 
you know, times to the battle starts at 9 a.m. Yeah. No sooner. You know, it's not like, well, I saw you. So now I have to attack you. <laughs> well, I'm sure the British were like, OK, well, we'll start in the morning like every other. Oh, they're still coming. Oh, Dave, did you step forward so they could see you? Oh, guess we got to kill him now. <laughs> OK, so then we get to to day two. Yes. Right. Beth and Ned have left for their honeymoon to Venice, but apparently have come back. Yeah. How they hadn't got on a plane or a train or something in between when they left and when it became dark. I would think they would have left to actually. Maybe they stayed at the Savoy in London. <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought they would have actually gone somewhere, but they didn't. They come back and the next day, Tom finds Beth shooting her bow. Yes. Now. They found Fletching, a feather, next to Marina. And it was black and white and black and white and black and white. Right, which we find out is Robin's... Fletching. Fletching. That's yep. his style of Fletching. I couldn't find anything about, like... <laughs> Like a connection between like heraldry and fletching colors. There might be something like that, but there might be in a club like this, they would have unique fletching for each of them or some or the Makes color, sense. the color of the arrows or something to same, identify. Same way with darts. Mostly because you go and retrieve them and you want to know whose is whose and you give them back. Yeah. But later, Ned says that the fletching on the bow is parabolic. Yes. And Joan says red and yellow. And what Ned is talking about is the shape the that the shape feather has it. been cut yeah. into. So I wanted to know, well, parabolic is pretty straightforward. Like it's shaped like a parabola. It makes yeah. sense that it's parabolic. But it is not the only shape that you can cut uh, fletching into. Okay. Okay. So you've got a shield shape, which yeah. you can imagine. Just imagine half of a shield. Yeah. Right. The parabolic raptor, which Ooh. is more angular, okay. like a parabolic but with the corners cut off okay but then there are also and these are the official names okay, okay. banana classic old english indian style which i couldn't find if that was a reference to native americans or to out south asia indian racist either way <laughs> racist either way sow buckle pope and young barracuda barracuda can i have a banana barracuda no they wouldn't really fit together but a barracuda really does look like Half a fish. Oh, cool. There's the uh, sting, the volelange, yeah. and then my favorites. Okay. The legolas. Oh, okay. Which is also referred to as fantasy. Or the aragorn, which is a, an elongated raptor with a parabolic end. Wow. Yeah. Nerds alert. I was really surprised to see like official historic fletching websites referring to feather shapes with Lord of the Rings characters. Yeah. But they do. I don't know if that's what they've always been called or if they're new shapes, but there is an Aragorn and a Legolas. Nice. And now you know. And that's another Midsummer crossover. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Legol uh, Legolas. Legolas was in. Yep. Because he got pitchforked. Yes. So Mary and Sally. Yes. Mary is the cook and Sally is the housekeeper. Sally. And the love of Jones's episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say his life, just, his ep just the episode. Why are there aprons all over the fridge? I don't know. It's a very strange kitchen. It is. It's got like six inch high mustard yellow countertops. Yeah. It, it's not a classic country house kitchen it looks like it was revamped in the 70s and not touched since like it would have been cutting edge in the they 70s just came in and threw aprons everywhere yeah other rooms swords daggers maces kitchen 
Aprons! aprons. <laughs> Put the aprons everywhere. Meanwhile, Tom is sneaking around. In the outbuilding. Wow, do they have a lot of paint cans or is it just me? They have a lot of paint cans. Okay, so this is Robin's house. It's his apartment, which okay. is part of the stable block. Which there's like a workroom you have to go through to get to his apartment. If that's the front door. Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird to me. But, you know, it would remind him about his place. He has to walk past a dead pheasant, paint cans, fletching, yeah, how, a giant drill press. How long have the pheasant and the rabbit been there? I don't know. But, the, but did you notice that next to the fletching on the counter, like he's been working on making arrows? There are also bullet casings sitting there. I did notice that. and Because, you know, you make your arrows and your bullets at the same time. Heat and waterproof adhesive. Well, that's what you would use to attach the fletching. Yeah. But there's a big drill press there. Yes. It's like a six foot tall drill press. It's like, I want that drill press. And so many quart sized cans of paint. Yes. So More than we paint. have. And we have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he says a weird thing there. About his forelock. Oh, yeah, because they're talking about knowing your place and class differences. And he says, well, we don't have to tug our forelocks anymore. Mm-hmm. And you already knew what that meant, right? So it's to show excessive difference towards someone in a superior position. The illusion being, I don't even have a hat on. I, I'm just going to tug my forelocks right. as if I'm tugging my hat. Right. So otherwise you would grab the, the bill of your hat. Yeah. So instead you grab your hair and you Because you should be hat in hand when you're talking to the boss. Right. It's a, it's an informal salutation too. Yeah. That action, but the the term has always been sarcastic. Yes. Because it's like I'm just not I'm not just symbolically doffing my hat. I'm going to yank the front of my hair. Yeah. Because you're so much specialer than me. You know. Yeah. So you're yanking your forelocks. Your forelocks are your bangs if you're American. and or your fringe. Your fringe if you're in the UK. So you can yank your bangs, tweak your fringe, or swatch your swoosh. You can also call it a swoosh. <laughs> then somebody shoots at Tom. Okay. Tom's walking along. Do, 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 do. He gets he's phone. on the phone. He, he get, yeah, he's on the phone with Joyce. And then an arrow comes at him, and he just happens to notice it's coming straight at him. He would know who shot that arrow. He's looking right at the source of the arrow, yeah. which is Robin, they claim. Yeah. But, you know, he makes the arrow, and yet he says, well, sometimes, you know, they fly. Like, did it make a right turn? No. Did it go around a corner? Arrows don't go 90 degrees. Like, even if it kind of veered off the straight line, it still would have meant that the person shooting it was in full sight of Tom. And you're, like, way off base. But he ducks just in time. Yeah. And we never find out who does it, and we never find out why. Well, everybody blames Robin, and he accepts yeah. the blame. So I don't think it was him, but I think he takes the blame for it. And then they, they all just go, ha, 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 and walk away. They mention War of the Welsh, War with the Welsh here. Yeah. I'm sorry, but Balacressi, most of the bowmen were Welsh. They owe the Welsh for the Battle of But Cressy. see, this is what fancy people do. They only remember the parts of history that aggrandize them, and they ignore the other parts. Absolutely. So we know that Marina dated Ned. Ned dumped her. Then she went out with Marcus. Yeah. And she dumped Marcus. Yeah. And Mary, the cook, knows all about this stuff. Well, she knows a couple of things. She knows all about that. She knows about ending rabbit's life. The hutch has like three baby rabbits in it. And the rabbit in her lap is completely different. Yeah. And she's like petting it. And then as soon as Jones turns around, snap, <laughs> he sees her do it. 
Were you able to figure out what her book was? No. Uh, I, I couldn't, couldn't figure it the out. The lamb should be pink. Well, Marina said it was bloody. Whatever. Maria. Marina. Ned's pissed off because whoever killed her did it at an inconvenient time. Just another example of him being super poncy. Yeah. I have stock market things to worry about. I'm busy standing here. <laughs> I can't be bothered with your questions. We should just buy him off. Meaning Robin. Is that portrait almost done or what? <laughs> the portrait is horrible. It looks done to me. The poor guy who's trying to pretend that he's painting it, he's like, I'll touch it with this brush. Does that work? Does it look like I'm painting? Must there be two of you here? It's a big house, dude. We're crowding you? George says that Marina died of hypovolemic shock. Yes. Did you know what that was? No. Because they don't tell us. No. They just assume that we know about that no. now. Marina's pretty good on the slab there. Um, hypovolemic shock is when you lose more than 20% of your blood. And just losing that volume of blood means that it's difficult for your heart to pump it around. Yeah. So all of your organs start to go into shock. Yeah. It's actually kind of a horrible way to die. It'd be nice if there was more blood on her outfit. Then. Maybe it's all underneath her skirt. Maybe. Maybe she bled under her dress. I don't know. It would have been a mess. Would have been a bad way to die. I know that. Barnaby goes to talk to Marcus. Mm-hmm. And Marcus is self-flagellating. With the door open. Just hanging out. Mia culpa, mia culpa. That's Latin, right? Yeah, for I'm sorry. But he's Anglican. Yeah. Is there Latin in the Anglican no. church? Okay. So he's just pretending to be Catholic for a few minutes. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Why is he blaming himself for anything? I don't understand why he's blaming himself. He didn't do anything wrong. She dumped him. I think he's blaming himself for being unable to button his shirt in the next scene. (laughs) I spent the whole scene going, you could button your shirt. And then we find out somebody else really should be sorry. Well, he goes, I did a terrible thing. And Barnby's like, oh, did did you kill her? He's like, of course not. Why would you think of that? Whoa. (laughs) Like, I don't know, because you seem really sorry for something. And it's not clear what that is. And also, okay, so they don't show Barnaby interrupting him. No, he may have just sat in a pew and waited till he was done. <laughs> How awkward would that be when you turned around? Oh. Well, he does collapse. Yeah. So maybe that's when Barnaby goes to make sure that he's okay. So Marcus is sorry, but he didn't do anything. Mary is doing something and should be sorry because she is stealing from the kitchen yep. to take it to Peggy. Suspicious mind is on my CV. And I'm like, caught in a trap. That's not how the song goes. Yeah, sort of. (laughs) Was that a cover? (laughs) Because I would say, like, we can't go on together with suspicious. Okay, I'm not suspicious minds. You gotta do the background singers. Yeah, and you're like, it's like the EMF cover of it or something. (laughs) Oh. Suspicious. Yeah, she's taking leaks. She's got a rabbit and saran wrap. Yeah. She's got all the goodies. Yeah. And she takes them to Peggy. Right. Because the Fitzroys didn't leave her with much, except for a million dollar cottage. (laughs) I don't know. When you have to work for people like that to keep the cottage that you live in, is it worth it? I don't know. Then Jones and Sally kind of go out on a date. To the Royal Standard of England. The oldest free house in England. 
Britain. Skeletons in the rafters. Yep. It's a real place. It's uh, located at Brindle Lane, 40 Green, Beaconsfield, HP9 1XT, England. Are you going to send them a postcard or something? Then Robin gets shot. When we go to England, when we can travel, when that pandemic is over. (laughs) Someday. Someday. We will go to this pub. Yeah. I think. We're going to have to go to England for like a month now with all the places we got to go. See Absolutely. Yeah. Then Robin gets shot. And we've got our second corpse. Ben is a bad dog. Yeah. He just ignores him. Does what he wants. So He's like, I don't want to be next to you. You're about to get shot. I'm no- out of here. We normally have killer cam, but we get arrow cam. Yes. This one. You may wonder how this is done. So- what I imagine nowadays is you would put a little action cam on an arrow. Yeah. And some poor PA would run along with it. <laughs> no. Which is I, probably not how they do it. I looked at the at the scenes a couple of times. I think this is how they do it. Okay. So you put the camera, you put the arrow on a rig in front of the camera so it looks stable. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't show the whole arrow. So right. The, the reason it's turning is somebody is turning it. Mm-hmm. And what they would have done is spun the camera around on top of a tripod. Ah, okay. And so it looks like we're behind the arrow all the time. It looks like you're behind the arrow. All the time. Oh, if only we could have followed the arrow that almost got Tom, because that would have been fun as it went around corners and <laughs> dodged, dodged things that it could have run into. Robin is like. Homed in on his head. Ugh, and died. That's like, what you would have. It went straight through his heart. Should have got him in the eye. It would have been better. Blood squirts. <laughs> I think the way Peggy dies is bad enough. I want to know how, well, sorry. I do know how Ned knows exactly what type of arrow it is because he shoots it. Yeah. But later on he goes, oh, it's this type of arrow while it's still in him. (laughs) I'm like, how do you know that? Not because I shot it. Uh, That couldn't be it. Let me touch this oven. Then Jones and Tom find the priest hole because Harry comes out of nowhere in Robin's place. Boom. Yep. Looking for a will. He's trashed the place. He's such a jerk. He is. Harry's a jerk. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, it's not just a hole, though, for hiding. It's a passage. Yeah. So it goes from the stable block to one of the bedrooms, specifically the bedroom where Marina was killed, right? Yeah. Which would be quite the passage. Yeah. It would have like a couple of stairways in it. Well, Tom gets a little out of breath getting out of it. Well, that's because the door's so small. They yeah. were littler back then. <laughs> I feel sorry for him then. I'm sure I would have been like right out of that hole too. Like, I can't get out. Give me a shove, Jones. <laughs> but I think they kind of have fun like creeping around because then Jones goes back through the passage to go back to Robin's apartment, you know, and catches Beth and Harry off smooching. At at this point in time, Harry goes full Nazi Bobo. Oh yeah. He shoots his brother's portrait. Why does he do why does he have an arrow in the house? Why does he do this? What like he's clearly losing it. Then he's staring at his brother and his new wife. While they're sleeping. While they're sleeping. And she's like, no, no. Why not? You both don't like him. Because he didn't I, she doesn't want to be with Harry. No. <laughs> Harry, Harry's going to have the penny drop at the end of the episode. Because but. if he was killed in bed with her, she might be a suspect and then she wouldn't get all the money. That's what she wants. Better to just let Ned live. Yeah. Then 
the killer. By the way, he is the okay. Ned wins an award for what? The best, the the soundest sleeper of the year. Oh yeah. (laughs) They have a conversation, and he doesn't wake up. The door opens. Yeah. His his wife sits up pretty abruptly, and then covers him with her body. Yeah. And he sleeps through all of it. Oh, I'm sleeping the sleep of a murderer. I think I would probably sleep through it too, though. I don't know. (laughs) I know I've slept through more than that. Peggy's murder doesn't make any sense to me. You know why? Why? She's killed with a hat pin from her own hat. Yes. Do you know what hat pins do? What? They hold a hat on your head. Do you know how they work? With pin like accuracy. They go through the hat. Yes. And into your hair. Yes. And back into the hat. Yes. So you need hair. Yes. And Peggy. Doesn't have much. She ain't got much hair. If she put a hat pin into her hat, it would just skim her scalp and go out the other side of her hat. Yeah. That pin is not going to be there. It is the world's strongest hat pin. Oh, they're stout pins. I realize. They are serious. But it is also the world's sharpest hat pin. If you shove it hard enough, yeah. We know he's got thrust power. He pinned Marina to a wall. I don't think a hat pin is going to be a struggle for him. But God, that would hurt so much. And you know what? It wouldn't kill you. I looked it up. No, it wouldn't kill you. It's really bad what it does, but it doesn't kill you. It would lead to mental illness or mental defect, but it would not kill her. It would be like a really bad lobotomy. Yeah. And from what I read, because you know me, I'm willing to look up the gross stuff. It would probably sever your optical nerves. Yeah. If it went deep enough. Yeah. So you would be blind. And deaf, at least in one ear. Well, yeah, you think? Jeez. You might die eventually, but you wouldn't die immediately. It's a bad way to go. Oh, gosh. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Peggy's not a very good dead body, by the way. No, she's not. She's like moving around. And breathing <laughs> and shit. I'm like, she's not dead, George. Check her. <laughs> I don't think that would kill you. Nope. And she's moving. So I don't. She's not dead. Don't do the autopsy yet, George. But then Sally says she saw Randall leaving Peggy's. Yeah. So what's that about? Because it wasn't him. No, but he tried to stop him. Ah. They explain it at the very that's end. That's right. That's right. Yep. So Randall knew what Ned was up to. Oh, Randall knows everything. And was going to stop him yep. in his Porsche. Yep. It is so satisfying when Jones arrests him. Yep, it is. Who puts hair gel in that little bit of hair on top? Apparently Randy. If you've only got five hairs, don't put gel in it. I just like calling him Randy. Because <laughs> you know it would irritate him. Yep. Randy Calcacoon. Then Tom figures out the crossword puzzle hint. I remember when I first saw this cryptic crosswords have always just they just they bend my mind. I cannot think in that way. I understand they have like a structure to the hints and the, the to the clues and there's like a code. And if you if you do enough cryptic crosswords, you get it. But I've never been able to get it. So on the back of one of the pictures of Catherine and a young Robin is cast, cast no sin here. Yeah. So Peggy apparently was a cryptic crossword person. Apparently. Because the anagram of that is Catherine's son. No, it's not. What is it? It's chain stores. Oh, it also spells chain stores. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's what Peggy was trying to tell us. She's one of those people who doesn't want the big chain stores to move into the village. Yeah, it's it's the like five episodes ago. Yes. It's the chain store. It has nothing to do with Catherine's son. No, it's Man, chain stores. <laughs> they screwed that clue up. 
Did you understand where the Mac that that was the answer? Oh no. I, I watched the explanation that, that, uh, Joyce gives. Joyce gives twice. And I was like, I still don't understand it. To do when weather turns nasty by the backs. Yeah. So turns means you rearrange letters. Yeah. But how would you know that it's weather that you're supposed to rearrange? Oh, who knows? And nasty by the backs means cam. Yes. So you have to reverse that for Mac. I guess. Or you wear your Mac when it rains. You do. Maybe. Uh, Chain stores makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> then Barnaby hits the library. Yes. Now we're on the day of Collie's wedding. Because I have nothing better to do. But we'll cover that in a little while. The wedding's later. <laughs> yeah. It's later. We got all day. Yeah. So he goes and he gets the book. The official Fitzroy family history book. Yes. With its nice glossy cover. Because nobody's ever looked at it in that <laughs> no. library before. <laughs> Except Tom. <laughs> and finds it. But I don't. It doesn't say in the book like P.S. Catherine had a bastard son. And <laughs> Jones is like, I told you that. He's like, no, you didn't. I wrote a report on it. It's on your desk. Uh-uh. Uh. <laughs> yes, I did. And while Beth was away, instead of going to see Marina's parents, she was in London. And so was Harry. And he wasn't seeing his accountant. They were together at the Savoy. Yes. The Savoy is a real hotel in London. It is absolutely beautiful. And I just want to go there to have their high tea. It looks incredible. Okay. Now, it's 75 pounds a person. Wow. But it looks incredible. A king bedroom not a suite just a room okay. with a king-size bed yeah guess how much it is a night guess how much it starts a night 900 pounds 750 750 we're not staying there no <laughs> no we no we might no, go no. to high tea but we're not staying there oh you'd send me to high tea alone you don't even like tea or cucumber sandwiches or any of that stuff. You'd oh, be like, go all ahead. that crap? No. Oh, I'll yeah. Be, I'll be across the street at the pub with the other poor, no work clothes people. Yeah, it's like coronation chicken and cucumber sandwiches. Oh, and, whatever. And uh, salmon. You, you, you wouldn't have any of it. I'd have to sit there and eat high tea by myself. I'm sure we could find some people to eat high tea with you. I would get my 75 pounds worth. Excellent. More tea. And you can get champagne for an extra 10 pounds. Ooh. But it's only one glass. No refills. They have to say no refills. Really? Yeah. I know. Harry has now equipped the mace. <laughs> it's not just any mace. It's a spiked flange mace. It is a spiked flange mace. We are D&D nerds. We do know. No, maces come in different styles. Yes, they there do. were There yeah. were like bludgeon maces yep. and there's different kinds. Yep. There are flange maces that don't have spikes. Yes, but this is a spiked flange. It's mace. not exactly accurate. No, but he's it, not really good at it. It either. is historic there. They it, did exist. It, it does. And he doesn't have to be good at it. All you got to do is make contact. There's not really technique. Yeah, it's it's, it's a hit blood. people with it where where their soft bits are or hit so, them hard enough. So he's he's in broad daylight now, just fed up with Ned. That's it. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And, and not about Beth. Like, get out of here, whore. We're fighting. She's like, well, I never. <laughs> You're not actually fighting over me. I'm just going to sit here on the floor, fluffered. I'm just, so, I'm upset. Ned equips with a sword. Mm -hmm. It's a long sword, a single-handed long sword. It's not really a good match. No. he's. You have to actually be good with a sword to use it effectively. Especially a sword like that. Yeah. Now, they do have an armor class of zero. Each of them. <laughs> 
Well, that's okay because Jones has more dice for defense. Yes, he does. So he's <laughs> able to select a shield that actually works instead of a cardboard one or an aluminum one that they might have for decoration. Yeah. And f- and effectively fends off the mace attack. Yeah. And and Harry's not getting any better with it as he goes no, along. It's like Harry smash with mace. Of course, you know, Ned's like, oh, I fell down. I'm just going to lay on the ground now. He's lucky Jones comes along. He's about to get it. He, do- he is about to get it. <laughs> and Harry's just lost it. Like, oh, here comes a cop. I'm not going to pretend I wasn't doing anything. I'll just attack him. He's gone berserker. I know. He, he goes into his berserk range. <laughs> And attacks Jones. And like Jones is like, I'm a cop. Stop hitting me. It, maybe Harry was thinking that he had the big spoon. Maybe. If he had had the big spoon, he might have he been had the spoon successful. Mace. He yeah. might have been better. <laughs> That's, you got to level up before you can use the spoon mace. <laughs> Someone listening to this podcast for the very first time would be so confused about what we're talking about. At least they're not using the Legolas arrows. <laughs> That's from a completely different game system. You cannot have those in this game. Well, and what's going to happen to the Witcher if he becomes uh, James Bond? It'll be the first James Bond ever to have appeared on a Midsummer. Whoa, yeah, Henry yeah, Cavill. Yeah, Henry Cavill's up for the new James Bond, so. Okay. And he was just doing nothing but dogging that old lady. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and driving around trying to kill a fox. Shoot, shooting rabbits and foxes. Wow. Only people who actually watch the show and listen to us will get any of what we're saying. <laughs> We've just lost everybody. And we haven't even gotten to the big fact. Nope. Ned gets arrested. Harry's going to be arrested. Harry's like, what are you going to arrest me for? I don't know. Maybe attempt, maybe assault, maybe he, attempted murder. And he looks at them like, what do you mean? As if. I don't think so. Like, you attempted murder two people. Like Jones is just going to go, oh, well, well, if you don't want me to. Okay, then never mind. I don't think so. And Beth is like, I don't have anything to do with either. I don't know them. I'm just the whore. I just own this place now. I, <laughs> if you want to take them away, that's fine with yeah. me. Go ahead. They're loony patoonies. So it ends up that the murderer is Ned. He does it all for the family. Randy's still going to get in trouble. And Beth basically manipulated everybody to get all the money. I don't think she really had to do much manipulation. No, she- I think she just kind of stood back and let it happen. Mm-hmm. Because if anything, Marina stirred it up yeah, she, by telling Ned that she found Beth and Harry together and saying she was going to tell everybody. And so Ned's like, well, I'm sorry, but you got to go now. And he wasn't even upset that his wife was bonking the brother three hours after they got married. He, he might have been, but he he's practical and knows that that's not really important. He He's upset because Marina is going to tell everybody. Yeah, as you would be. But then he kills... Robin, because he's going to tell everybody that his parents. He's going to try to take part of the estate. Yeah. And then he's got to kill Peggy because she knows about it. Well, now he's got a taste for it. So he's going to start killing everybody. Who's next? And then Harry's like, no, I will become a killer. I'm going to kill you and this cop and other people. I've entered Berserker Rage. (laughs) If he had been successful, like where would he have gone next? Outside, just randomly beating old ladies on the street with that mace. (laughs) Look out, Mary. (laughs) And that's how it ends. Now we can talk about the second plot in the episode, which is Cully's big crazy wedding. Yes, her big fat British wedding. I have to say that though Joyce has her flaws, she's an awesome mom and she is a planner. 
This wedding would be better if Joyce was actually in charge of it. It would be better than this. Okay. She would have been on it. Joyce tries her best to keep this wedding on course. Everybody else doesn't freaking care. We're three days before the wedding when the episode starts, and they don't even know where they're going on a honeymoon yet. No. Now, the caterer is not their fault. No. She says it's Tom's fault. What, why did they put Tom in charge of the caterer? <laughs> I love the look he gives her when he says, and it's your fault. He's like, ooh. How? <laughs> they went out of business because you picked the worst caterer ever. He's got a solution, though. Black gateau and strippers. <laughs> Sounds like a fun wedding. But to be sitting there a few days before your wedding trying to figure out where you want to go on your honeymoon when you're talking internationally. Yeah. No, you don't do that. Yeah. You'd plan that so far ahead. And Okay. So the whole conflict is that Simon has a gig with the band. They're going to go to Dusseldorf for a week and play this festival. Yes. And then Cully's conflict is that she's got a, uh, a part in Three Sisters, which is a checkoff. Yes. And, and rehearsals start. Rehearsals start. When they're supposed to go on their honeymoon. These two people are performers. They would have discussed conflicts in schedule long This before. wouldn't have been the first time that they had had to change their plans long, because something came up for one of them. Long before that. Frankly, I don't think Cully should be as upset as she is at Simon because he's not saying they can't go on their honeymoon. He's just saying we have to stop in Germany for a few days. Which the band will probably pay for. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with that? But, okay, it's stressed. She, it's about her wedding. Thing, little things before a wedding can feel like gigantic. Yes. Unless you're Tom, who pays no attention at all. I think he just knows when to get out of the way. Yeah. And know that they'll figure it out and that they don't need him. Yeah. <laughs> they got it. And he's just going to get out of the way. I love it when he almost breaks into the printers to get the order of service. Okay, before that, let's do Maurice. Oh, Maurice. Why is Maurice only in one scene? He should be in a million scenes. He should be in it from the beginning. He should run in and be like, who are you going to hit? Me now? Boom. <laughs> I don't think so. Here's my scarf. Back you. <laughs> so Simon, who does a good thing, yeah. calls Maurice, who is like wedding planner to the star. Mr. Fancy who two days before the wedding now is supposed to come and salvage it. Which is an incredibly nice thing for him to do. Yeah, but no, they're just rude to him and run him off. <laughs> you, fancy man, out of here. And he's out. They found the perfect hall. Mm -hmm. That hall is so depressing. I've been to dinners at that hall. <laughs> it is a village hall. Yeah. It is not a quaint countryside historic building. No. It is a village. No, it's hall. not like the wedding we're going to see in the ne next episode. No, it is a rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> with a floor. Yeah. And sour milk on a table, apparently. Yes. And a and boom strippers. A boom box in the corner. A boom box in the corner. <laughs> so I have to tell you guys, we're, we're going to tell you the big fact. I have to give you some context. Mark and I have offices at opposite ends of our house. Yep. It's kind of a long, it's a wide house, yes. right? And we could not be further apart from each other when we're working. He is at one end and I am at the other end. I am at my desk and I hear him coming. He's coming my way. Comes in, shuts the door, sits down and says, you are not going to believe this. Yep. And I thought, you're going to tell me something about one of the kids or something that's happening in town or something horrible in the election. I had no idea. And then you were smiling. And I said, you cannot make this shit up. 
And I was like, oh, what is this going to be? And then you said the okay. most amazing thing. Okay, we'll get to the amazing thing. Let's start with the letters of orders of service, because that's what it starts with. Okay, I think you just took all the steam out of my story. No, but no, okay. no, 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 no. Oh, okay. Okay. So Tom is going with the orders of service in the car. He's looking at them. Yes. And everybody is waiting for this big moment who's seen it before, mm-hmm. right? Because Troy shows up. Mm-hmm. I don't get that because I pause. Because it's paper, so you have to look at it. I have to look at it. And I have it up on my screen right now. And I look at it. And it clearly says, orders of service at the marriage of Cully Barnaby and Simon Dixon. I'm like, oh, that's okay. nice. It's flowery writing and everything. Midsummer, it says uh, Midsummer Parva at the top. And then it says Wednesday, the 3rd of June, 2008 at 2 p.m. And I'm like, that's not a Wednesday. And how did you know that's not a Wednesday? So going back to the story that Sarah started, I said, uh, Cully Barnaby got married on the 3rd of June, 2008. And I said, do you know who else got married on the 3rd of June, 2008? We did. We did. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) to the day. Without knowing it. Without knowing it. We got married on the same day as Cully Barnaby. Now, granted, it was actually a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. The 3rd of June, 2008 is a Tuesday. We got married on a Tuesday. Yes. Because we did not have a big ceremony. We had both been married before. Both been married. Second marriage. And frankly, we knew we wanted to get married and we just hadn't decided on when. We were traveling out of the country the next week and we wanted to... We were traveling on somebody else's dime to Brazil and then to Las Vegas. Yes. And we thought, how can you get a better honeymoon than that? It's paid for two great places. We're going to Sao Paulo and Las Vegas. Yeah. Let's make it a honeymoon. We looked at our calendars. We were both free on Tuesday. We went to the courthouse. We got married on a Tuesday. We had wedding breakfast. June the 3rd, 2008. Yes. The same day that Cully was I still can't believe it. I, I can't believe that. I think we both checked Facebook to make sure that yeah. that's actually the day that we got married. Yeah. <laughs> and then we double checked the screenshot to look at the program again and make sure that's the date that it says. That is the weirdest thing it is so ever. Weird. It's so weird. You cannot make that shit up. No, you can't. That is so weird that we got married on the same day that Cully got married Mm -hmm. the exact same day it's weird that she's getting married during the week anyway well in the i mean most people get married on a saturday a friday night in the magazine they talk about that oh yeah david lawrence says uh uh, that cully and simon getting married in the middle of the week instead of on the weekend uh it has to do with the plot the two weddings couldn't be a week apart in terms of the drama. In other words, the murders and the investigation didn't take place over a full week. So the posh weddings on Saturday and Cully's wedding had to be Wednesday. It doesn't matter much. I didn't get married on a Saturday because Chelsea were playing that day. Well, there would be traffic. I suppose. I'm giving him benefit of the doubt that it wasn't that he didn't want to miss the game. But it's Tuesday. I've double checked it several places. Tuesday, the 3rd of June. Why did they put Wednesday on the program then? Know. It's the wrong day. I, it's the wrong day. But it's the same day. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. We got married the same day Cully did. The same day. <laughs> and we didn't know it 
for 12 years. We didn't know it until two days ago. Yes. I'm still like, really? Are you sure? I've double checked I know this you have. fact. We've triple, quadruple checked. Yeah. It's crazy. So now, they get married. And my favorite thing about the wedding is that Jones and Troy meet. And George says, he's good. He's good. Yeah. It's nice. Kath isn't there. Kath is not there. Well, it's a Wednesday at two in the afternoon. She has a job. (laughs) Unlike everybody else who's there. The grandparents are there. Yeah. The same actors who played them before. And in addition are a bunch of the showrunners family. And Brian Trumay's family. Oh, cool. And the press. And then the press. The real world press. Yes. Played extras in the wedding crowds for both weddings. To which there were no strippers or black gato. No, no, I thought the menu looked good. So did I. Wow. I still can't believe it. It's just weird. It's just really weird. It's it. it you can't make that up. No. Our no. wedding anniversary is the same as Gully's. <laughs> it's a one in 365 chance. No, more than that, because it's the same year, too. Same year. So this is Simon's last appearance. We never see him again. Mm. This is Troy's last appearance. We only see Cully. A little bit. One more time. Yeah. In the glitch. Yeah. So. Do you want best corpse first? Do you want horrible movies first? Let's do horrible movies. Okay. I've only got one. Hold on. Horrible movies. We now have a bumper. This movie is terrible. Ha. <laughs> I bet Mark's seen it. All right. I've only got one horrible movie this week. Okay. The horrible movie. Bet Mark's seen it. And... Uh, Denise Alexander, who plays Peggy Benson in this episode, is in this movie. Okay. It is a 1978 film, and I'm going to read you a one-line synopsis. Are you ready? Psychological thriller about a telekinetic novelist who causes disasters simply by thinking about them. This movie is called The Fury? No. Oh, it's not? No. There's one called The Fury with a telekinetic... Novelist? Yeah. What is it called? Stars Richard Burton. Okay. Yeah. It's not The Fury. Stars Richard Burton. There's a roller coaster scene. <laughs> He's pulling it out of his head. The uh, neurons are connecting. What is it called? What's it called? What is it called? Isn't it the something? Um, yeah. Okay. It's the something. <laughs> the something something. <laughs> He's clutching his head uh, as if that's going to help. <laughs> I, I've seen this. I, I don't know what the name of it it's is. It's called the Medusa Touch. The Medusa Touch, yes. I get a half point because yeah. you have seen it, but you couldn't remember the I name. I couldn't remember the half name. Half point for me. But I did ah. remember the roller coaster scene. <laughs> <laughs> when he, get, he gets like a head injury or something. Yeah. And that's how he gets his powers. Yeah. It's like a 70s version of knowing that weird um, uh, movie with the moose on fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's my one horrible movie. You ready? Best yeah. Corpse? Best Corpse. Oh! <laughs> Nice corpse. Okay, we got three corpses to choose from. We got Peggy, Marina, and Robin. I'm going with Marina. I'm going with Marina. She has to stand up and be dead at the same time. That's a challenge. And when she's on the slab in the morgue, she's great there, too. Yep. Robin, we don't see him much. No. And Peggy moves. So she's out. Yeah. She's right out. She's disqualified. After the credits. Okay. A lot of people go to jail here. Yes. Okay. Ned, Harry, Randall, jail. Jail. Beth, still a rich bitch. Yep. Marcus. Sad. He's sad, but I think he comes out pretty well. Well, I mean, nothing happens to him. No. He'll still be in the vicarage. Yeah. Will Sally and Jones go on another date? Did we see her again? I think we see her again. I don't know. 
Mm. Do we see her again? WPC Gail Stevens is on it in this episode, she, too. She seems to be nonplussed that Jones is. Oh, no, she's not interested in him. No, I don't. I don't think it's like that. OK, but she's a good copper in this episode. She, she helps him with Randall. Yeah. She staves off Harry when he's like, I want to look around my house. And he's like, no. Yeah. Uh-uh. She's not going to let him through. And that's pretty much it. I mean, Mary, I guess, goes on being Mary. Yeah, but that house is super empty now, if you think about it. It only ever had two other people in it. There's two people gone. Yeah. Harry and Ned. It was already empty. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, I guess Robin, he was around. They'll have to get a new estate manager. But I don't think Beth's going to keep that house the way that, that they did anyway. No, I, I think don't she'll think... be happy to sell it off and just take the money. She's... She doesn't care about the tradition. Yeah. Both of the Fitzroy boys are going to be in jail, so. Yeah. I don't know. Harry may not actually do jail time. Harry? Yeah. Attempted murder or assault on a, on a police officer? Yeah, but, you know, emotional distress. He could say he knew Ned was the killer and he was trying to stop him and he was trying to protect Beth. With a good lawyer, I think he could get parole. Maybe. I think he could get release. And that is Blood Wedding. It is. We have the same anniversary as Cully. How weird is that? Like, that, I'm sorry to go on and on about it, but boy, it's weird. It is weird, but it's very fun. Sally appears in one more episode, but not a Sally. Right. So. so if they have a second date, it's just the reception and then that's it. Hey, you want to go to a reception? Troy, does, uh, Troy doesn't bring anybody. No. It, but neither does Bullard. So, you know, it's a good thing Troy didn't because they may not have survived the accident. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Troy drives straight into the forest. <laughs> I think he really goes into a ditch before the trees. But still, and that just car gets, is ruined. And he just gets out and brushes himself off. He's like, uh, glad you're here. I wouldn't want to be late. <laughs> it's silly, but it's, it is so great to see Troy. It is. It's really nice. And he just smiles the whole time. They do. Because later on, when after Jones is working with the new Barnaby, he comes back. Mm-hmm. For a cricket episode. Yeah. And he does a super good. They do a really good job at bringing people back. Like yeah. He's a DI now. Yeah. And Jones treats him with respect. Yeah. As he should. Because yeah. he's a superior officer. Yeah. I like that Tom isn't actually late for the wedding. No. He doesn't. It doesn't do a. I know I'm supposed to walk you down the aisle, but I just figured out who did it. No. He you does. A, he does. A, are you sure? Yeah. You sure? Sure. Okay. Let's do this. Yeah. And it's. It's nice. It's I a think nice it's, wedding. It's good. Yeah. yeah. At first, I thought Joyce was going to wear that red and white dress to the wedding because Cully was already in her gown. But that's what she's going to wear. And, and they the have next a couple time. of nice moments with Joyce and Cully. Yeah. Drinking the champagne. And, stuff. and then they get a little impatient with Tom. <laughs> but he's right. He's like, they can't start without us. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a minute. Running up the stairs. It's fine. Changing. Like, it's your wedding. If anybody's going to be late, it's okay. It's you. Yeah. It's all right. Chillax. Simon doesn't think you're taking off or anything. And I'm just going to say, I'm glad they resolved their issues, but open tickets to New Zealand would be like $10,000. Yeah. Open tickets to New Zealand booked just days before. Yeah. You were going to use them in, uh, initially would be like 15 grand. Yeah. And they're just, you know, they'll go at another time. Yeah. We'll just go. At another I don't even time. think you can do that now. No, I don't think you can I book open tickets anymore. Even can. before Corona. No. I don't think you could do that. My Corona. No. No, I don't think you can. I think our our honeymoon was much better going to Brazil and Vegas. 
than going to, to Dusseldorf alone while your wife goes to London to do rehearsals. Yeah. Yeah. And a depressing There's play. stuff to do at a concert. Yeah. So that is Blood Wedding. Yes. Season 11, episode one or two, depending on how you count. Our next episode is... Season 11, episode three, Left for Dead. This is a hard episode. It is. There's a flashback that is difficult to watch. I'm glad we have levity in this one. It bolsters us up for the next, because oh, we're going to need it. Don't worry. Our life is the next episode, and we have drier death. We get loonies again. We get Yay! loony tunes again. All right, maniacs. Yeah. Until then. First of all, happy Halloween. Yes. We won't have it release another episode before Halloween. Uh, if you're Americans, go out and vote. Yes. Absolutely. We don't care who you vote for, but please vote. Mm-hmm. I can't vote, so vote for me. If you're in the UK, I'm really sorry about Boris's hair. Yeah. I what don't understand why you can't just comment. What zone are you in? Are you in territorial zone three? Are you in the place where you can have sex only outside or only inside and only if you have a pasty? Oh, it's so, it's so strange. It's very confusing <laughs> what they're doing over there. Yeah. But hey, they're trying. Yep. They're Everybody's doing their best. trying. I hope everybody stays healthy yep. and happy and, and maniacs. In the show notes, I'll put some of our Halloween pictures up. Awesome. So, All right, maniacs. Till next time. Till next time, maniacs. Bye, maniac. Bye, maniac. Survey says corset. No, Spanx is the top answer on the board. Bing, bing, bing.